Psalm 58. Do you indeed declare what is right, you gods? Do you judge the children of man uprightly? No, in your hearts you devise wrongs. Your hands deal out violence on earth. The wicked are estranged from the, t the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like the deaf adder that stops its ear, so that it does not hear the voice of, char of charmers or of the cunning enchanter. O oh God, break the teeth in their mouths. Tear out the fangs of the young lions, O oh oh Lord. Let them vanish like water that runs away. When he aims his arrows, let them be blunted. Let them be like the snail that dissolves into slime, like the stillborn child who never sees the sun. Sooner than your pots can feel the heat of thorns, whether green or ablaze, may he sweep them away. The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will bathe his feet in the blood of the wicked. Mankind will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on earth. Pastor Dan. As I thought about coming to the word, I was reflecting on Psalm 119, verse 5. Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for your written word, which provides me with such strength for today and great hope for tomorrow. Lord, as we step into the darkness of, the fall, of this fallen world, God, we pray that your word would truly enlighten our way. Lord, take and lead me in the paths of righteousness. Help me to hide its truth in my heart. And may I be ready and willing to follow your will for my life as I face the difficulties and trials that lies ahead in, this, and, uh, in the strength of your mighty power. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, light. Uh, Lord, thank you for your word, light, and truth in this dark world. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And let's remain standing as we sing our first song, How Firm a Foundation, and lift our voices. How firm, how foundation, ye saints of the Lord, ye is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Fear not, I am with thee, O be not dismayed, for I am thy God, and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by my righteous, omnipotent hand. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. The soul that on Jesus hath lain for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, 
I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. Amen. It may be seated. And our question, catechism question for the t- today is number 42. And I'd like to invite us to read this together. How is the word of God to be read and heard? And the answer is, with diligence, preparation, and prayer, so that we may accept it with faith, store it in our hearts, and practice it in our lives. And the short answer is, with diligence, preparation, and prayer, so that we may accept it with faith and practice it in our lives. And the scripture passage supporting this is from 2 Timothy 3, 16 to 17, and let's read this one together as well. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Our next song is a new song. It's called Reformation Hymn. This was in celebration five years ago of the, um, of, um, I believe it's the uh, 500th anniversary of the Reformation. And where Luther stressed the power of God and salvation is in faith alone by the word through the word of God. And so join us. This is a, uh, uh, Mary's going to play it through. It's a very easy song to learn.
has freed us, he will keep us till we're safely home. Glory be, glory be to God alone. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up higher and higher, and he shall lift. Let's sing it again. Do up. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up higher and higher, and he shall lift you up. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And he shall lift you up higher and higher. And he shall lift you Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And he shall lift you up higher and higher. And he shall lift you up. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. And he shall lift you up higher and higher. And he shall lift you up. To whom then will you compare me? that I should be his equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling all of them by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. I invite you to stand. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. Humble thyself in the sight of the Lord. 
and he shall lift you up higher and higher and he shall lift you up humble thyself in the sight of the lord humble thyself in the sight of the lord and he shall lift you up higher and higher and he shall lift you Remain standing as we prepare for our last song. Speak, O Lord. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you to receive the fruit of your holy word. Take your truth planted deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today in our acts of love and the deeds of faith. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Speak, O Lord, and holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity. Cause our faith to rise, cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority. Words of power that can never fail, let their truth prevail over unbelief. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Truths unchanged from the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity. And by grace will stand on your promises, and by faith will walk as we walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built, and the earth is filled with your glory. Speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Marie, will you pray? Good morning, precious family. Let's talk to God. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning humbly and grateful for who you are. Lord, we thank you for getting us through another week. We just are so grateful for you, uh, your love and your mercy. It's amazing what you have done for us, Lord. Forgive us for the times that we take you for granted. Lord, we are so grateful for 
your word in our lives. We are so grateful that we live in a country where the Bible is at our beck and call. We have access to Bibles galore. Forgive us when we don't make use of them. Lord, thank you that we can turn on a button and have your word at, uh, within reach on the TV, on our telephone, on our radios, whatever, Lord. Thank you for the multitude of Bible studies that we can uh, take part in. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And thank you, Holy Spirit, for helping us to understand them. Lord, thank you so much for making all of these things available to us and forgive us for not taking part in them. Lord, help us to learn your word. It's so amazing when we get to dig into your word and find out all of the wonderful things that you have us. Um, learn from your word. It's just amazing the nuggets that are in there. Lord, thank you for the things that you've made known to us. Thank you for your history. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your poetry. Thank you for your textbook. Thank you for your guidebook. Thank you for your first aid book. Thank you, Lord, for your word. We just thank you for making it available to us. Help us to have a hunger, Lord, that we would just dive right into this wonderful book that you've given us. But Lord, thank you for the word that you have spoken that brought us to life. Thank you for the word that you spoke to create everything that's around us. We live in such a beautiful, protected, wonderful area. Help us to remember that, that it was spoken and now it's here for us to enjoy. Thank you for this wonderful time together in the fellowship that we share here in this fabulous church that you've given us. Lord, thank you for this time together. Forgive us for the things that we do that hurt your heart, Lord. Help us to love each other as you want us to, Lord. Just go with us this week, Lord. Help us to be mindful of all of the things that you do for us and help us to obey your decrees and commands that life would go well with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. So, catechism today, our question, how should we read the Word of God? With diligence, preparation, and prayer, so we accept it by faith, store it in our hearts, and practice it in our lives. And again, from 2 Timothy 3, all Scripture is breathed out by God. Some versions say uh, inspired by God. But I love breathed out by God. It gives it life. It carries life with it. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, which really means to disapprove, for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good word. So I don't know if it struck you, if that was the first time you saw that catechism question, but I really thought, well, how do you read the word? And they came up with, be prepared, be diligent, be prayerful. And I already, I, my first thought was, that's not enough words, right? What about joyful? What about with expectation? What about with grace? What about with curiosity? Then I started thinking, well, all those words really kind of, those hows, depend on the diligence and the prayer and the preparedness. So I like how they decided to answer this. I also noticed that it's how, and it's not when, where, by who, and why. They skipped all that. I think we know the answer, but let's read ahead. In 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, 
rebuke, exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. All of Scripture is inspired by God. I don't think anybody here will argue against that, to be honest. Inspired by God for His purpose, for His glory, and for our benefit, to reveal the gospel forever and for all time. And like for Timothy, to guide us to be able to be confident and able to reprove, disapprove, to listen to reproof, to listen to disapproval, to correct and stand corrected, to train and be trained in the way of Christ, to know him and to live it out. Based on the 42 doctrines that we've studied up through today, we should be convinced that this is the exact time in history and in our lives and in our church family to be reading and learning and bringing these doctrines to heart. We should not only be convinced, we should be encouraged. Oh my goodness, this is it. We are in the Easter season. He is risen. Yeah, I can imagine the early church didn't have an Easter service and said, He is risen, and then went home and watched football and never said it again. Imagine the weeks that happened after he rose and before the ascension where people were going around and whispering and shouting and gathering and saying, He is risen and repeating it over and over and over. That's the gospel. It's, it doesn't stop on Easter for us. And this is our celebration season, our time to be encouraged. And so I'd like you to be encouraged this morning. We should be encouraged because this is the gift that we've been given. The when to be in the word is anytime and always. The where is anywhere and everywhere. The who is anyone and everyone. The how, prayerfully and diligently. And the why, Jesus. So we read from 2 Timothy today. It is most likely Paul's last letter before he was martyred in Rome. And the third of what we call the pastoral letters, 1 Timothy, Titus, and 2 Timothy are letters that, that Paul wrote to younger, more inexperienced brothers that he trained and left to bring up the churches in Ephesus and in Crete. His letters are full of encouragement. Don't be fooled by reading them as lists. They're all encouragement. His first letter to Timothy is to a young and inexperienced leader. And in 1 Timothy, he fills, Paul fills Timothy's toolbox with all the tools needed to start, to build, to lead, and to disciple new communities in Christ. Paul sets up guardrails. He guides through standards. And he, pro he, he provides clarity in instruction, all the while encouraging, encouraging, encouraging. Paul's second to letter to Timothy is far more personal, and that's where we are today. It reads very much in places like a goodbye letter. A last chance to connect to a beloved son and tell him the most important things. And it focuses more on Timothy's well-being, not so much on, on a list of rules or tools, more on be well, be fed. He thanks God for Timothy. He blesses him. He prays for him. He warns him about wrangling over words and getting into meaningless arguments. He encourages, he urges, he instructs, he charges Timothy. He tells him, don't be ashamed. Be strong. Fight the good fight. Use your gifts. Protect the treasure that's inside you. Preach the word, pray always. Continue learning. Use sound doctrine based on scripture to be bold and have confidence. To teach others. To disagree confidently 
when necessary, to disapprove of and rebuke false teaching, to correct and to guide himself and the people in his church. Paul's goal for Timothy in all these letters, and in, for Titus in all the pastoral letters, is this. To receive, share, and emulate loving instruction from a pure heart and a good conscience of a sincere faith. That's 1 Timothy 1.5. In this letter, the passage, all scripture is breathed out by God, is a pivot point in the letter, and I think even in all three pastoral letters. It's preceded by warnings and instruction, heavy warnings, and it's followed by a call to action. And it's so simple. I know I, part of our family mantra, is I can make things way harder than they have to be. If I have a family crest that have two things on it, first would be bacon should be free, and the other one is ain't nothing ever easy. And it's not just that everything's hard, it's because I can make it hard. Trust me. I can. You know what? This is another family joke. Is it whatever plan we're coming up with, I can work a helicopter into it. I can, I can go that far. Trust me. When Timmy, Timothy gets these letters, and especially 2 Timothy, I don't think he needs to do a word study on diligence. I mean, it's probably in Greek anyway, and so it's like he doesn't need to look up the Greek for diligence. He knows diligence. He knows righteousness. He knows corrections. He knows reproof. And he knows good works. So I don't want to take, waste any time looking up words we already know the meaning of. Certainly, he didn't have to wonder what to do next. Paul tells him. Go preach the word. Certainly, we here don't have to make a case for opening up our Bibles. I don't think so. We have no ground to stand on for not opening our Bibles, for reading and speaking and hearing the word. Everywhere or anywhere, all the time, anyone, Jesus. Where have you heard that before? From these two right here, from Dan and Teresa, when they go on vacation, they don't leave Jesus at home. They don't leave him in the luggage. He's with them. Anyone, anywhere, anytime, Jesus. We've heard that for 35 years from these two. We've heard a lot more than that. But that's one of those things. I just want to let you know I've listened. I've heard a few of these things. <laughs> and we all have. The bottom line is scripture does not leave this open for debate. We have no argument. We can't wordsmith our way out of it or around it. This isn't a courtroom and there is no jury. Speaking of juries, this uh, congregation participation. If you've ever received a summons to do jury duty, raise your hand. Oh, good. Pretty much. Everybody. Keep your hands up. You have to be participating for a long time. You may have to change hands if this one gets tired. Okay, put, keep your hands up, but put your hands down if you've never actually filled out the questionnaire. Like you've been called, but you never had to actually do anything. So keep your hand up if you had to do something. You filled out a questionnaire. Okay, put your hand down now if you've never gone to voir dire. Uh, that's, that's, see, this is, you have now influenced what's going to happen next in the sermon. <laughs> what is voir dire? Okay, so keep your hand up if you've actually been on a jury. Okay, if you've been on a jury, you've been through voir dire. Okay, put your hands down. So voir dire in our courtrooms, it means, it's actually French, is to see or look and dear to speak, or actually to listen to someone speaking. So voir dire is that part of jury selection where um, the prosecution and the defense attorneys will sit with all of you here and start asking you individual questions. And what they're trying to find out is, do you have some belief that would impair you from rendering a, uh, a judgment, a fair judgment against a peer of innocence or guilt? So they're trying to find out, I think in, in the truest sense of the word, is 
let's make sure that we have a fair and impartial jury. They'll ask tons of questions. Sometimes they'll be very pointed questions. Do you know the defendant? Do you know the judge? Um, and if you raise your hand and you say, yes, I grew up with the defendant, you're out. And then other times they can be very subtle in how they decide to ask their questions. The cynical side of me, and I give in to this, I actually think that they're not so much looking for an impartial and fair judgment is that the defense lawyer and the prosecution lawyer are trying to find a way to see if I want you on my jury. Will you agree with me? So they start asking questions about your attitudes and your opinions. And in doing so, they're looking to see if they can influence your attitude or your opinion to agree with them. And if they think you can't, they want you on your jury, on their jury. And that's what those two are fighting about. So one time I was in Wadir, and there were probably 50 or 60 of us in the room, and the lawyers were asking these obtuse and ambiguous questions. And it went on over an hour, close to an hour and a half, and they had not selected one juror or rejected one juror. And it was just, at, at that point, it's hot. There's a lot of heavy sighs, uncomfortable shifting in seats. People have had enough. I'm just checking to see if we've gotten that far yet. Looks pretty good. And so I, I was juror number 48, and they hadn't asked the question of any juror past number 22, and we were all a little frustrated, so I did what juror number 48 out of 50 and it would do. Raise my hand, and the judge calls me, and he says, Juror 548, do you have a question? Uh, do you have a statement or a question? I have a question, Your Honor. Ask your question. Could these two lawyers stop asking us questions that nobody understands or can seem to answer and just ask us what we believe? Yeah, I got a couple of amens from my other jurors. And the lawyers were not happy with me. So maybe put this in your toolbox. If you ever want to get kicked out of jury selection, you raise your hand and you say, I'd like a little clarity, please. Enough of this. So I, I've got I've forgotten the team cha uh, change pages here. I don't even know where I am. Okay. <clears throat> so what they're trying to do is they're trying to understand and discern Attitudes, opinions, and beliefs. Opinions and attitudes, those can be influenced by arguments, by doubt. A belief generates a core conviction that cannot be influenced by arguments or meaningless words or myths or doubts. When we look at our catechism question today, it is really focusing in on that core belief and the conviction that comes with us. All scripture is breathed out from God. That is a core belief. And our conviction leads into the sanctification that he talked about later. But here's the deal. If we are not clear on this, if we ignore Paul's warnings to Timothy and we wrangle endlessly over words, if we allow ambiguous and misleading questions and pointless arguments to lead us to myths and endless genealogies and worldly fables, we are quite simply dumping the tools out of our toolbox, rendering ourselves useless. Paul calls it wandering off into mere speculation. And when we do this, we completely miss the point. All scripture is breathed by God for his purpose, for his glory, to our benefit. This core belief in conviction of our faith places us in a position to trust Scripture, to learn, be corrected, and be trained in the very hope of faith that God provides and that lives in us through the Holy Spirit. Read God's Word and live it out. We could be done with an amen and go in peace. Oh, we really could. I'd have six more pages. If we don't approach Scripture diligently and prayerfully, we can easily fall into traps like using Paul's letter to Timothy as a checklist. Ooh, good on that one. Good on that one. Looking pretty good, Lord. And oh, 
Uh, I'll work on that one later. Oh, I'm in the club. Uh, I'm, not, oh, I'm not in the club. Or even worse, as a checklist to say, ooh, that guy's in the club. That guy's not in the club. She's not in the club. We lose sight of the purpose, the spirit, and the meaning of the Scripture. And in the process, especially here, we miss all the encouragement. And we need to cling to encouragement. Oh, especially today. Paul's prophecy of what people will be like is us today. Listen to 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having all the appearance of godliness but denying its power. The exact opposite of being made complete for every good work. And looking outwardly, I'm sure you've seen it, it pours into us and over us from news, from clickbait, from social media, from emails, in schools, at work, in our streets. We can find endless reasons to be discouraged. Culturally, academically, politically, and even in the church. Make no mistake. When Paul creates this list, he is not talking culture. He is not talking politics. He is not talking academics. He's talking about us. This is us. Sadly, many today behave exactly as Paul warns Timothy. Scripturally sound doctrines are being sacrificed on the altar of cultural appeasement that can never be satisfied. Scripture is hurled like grenades over walls in arguments instead of pointing to Jesus. And the list goes on, and as you can read from Paul, it gets worse. We can get discouraged even to the point of thinking of this place and this family as our refuge and our fort. Oh, here we can tell the truth. Here here we can talk the gospel. Here we can read scripture. Here we can agree. Here we can be at peace. Here we can live out the truth. Feeling pressed in by all the pressures of the academic, cultural, political, everything that's going on. We could very well in response hunker down, build bigger walls, prepare our defenses, be ready when the enemy is at our gate. Learn these doctrines so when the enemy's outside, we can say, I told you so. And if some poor soul walked in here with arrows in their back, we could tell them after we mended them, I told you not to go out there. I am not saying we are there. I'm not saying that's us. I am saying if we do not diligently and prayerfully read scripture, we could be right there in a jiffy. Individually, it's easy to get discouraged. If you read Paul's letters as a checklist to Timothy and you apply them to ourselves, then we always fall short. We fall short in reading scripture. We fall short in quiet time. We fall short in prayer. And this is, this is so weird. When I first became a Christian, I was in the middle of praying, and suddenly I thought about ducks. I don't know why I thought. Maybe, maybe I heard a duck, or a duck was flying overhead. So now, as I, as I sit and pray, and I try and stretch out my prayer time, my attention span in prayer, and some other thought will jump into my head, I'll say, duck. I need to get back to praying. I know I don't pray long enough. I know I don't read enough scripture. I know I don't have enough quiet time. 
it's easy to get discouraged so that our own doubts and failings stack up against us, and that's all we see. And then what do we do? We easily disqualify ourselves from good works. I don't, I'm not good enough to preach up here. I'm not good enough to mow the lawn out there. We can get so discouraged individually that we stall, we stop. But let's put an end to that noise, all that noise and all this noise. Let's put an end to it right now. Let's just do it today. Can we right here and now set aside every encumbrance and just run a race? Everybody, I think Hebrews 12 is one is memorized by many. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfect of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's not look at the noise. Let's not listen to ducks. Let's focus on Jesus. Diligently and prayerfully open our Bibles and beginning reading Scripture. And then joyfully read Scripture. Expectantly read Scripture. Hopefully read Scripture. Let it seep in and let it change us. Let us find out who Jesus is so we can understand him and know him and live this out. This is not a fort. This is not a bunker. I think Paul's pastoral letters to Timothy and Titus were to leaders of outposts, not forts. Outposts are not fortified. They're there to welcome people in and to go out. Paul's letters were to people who he wanted to lead outposts. Good work was accomplished. People were served. Lives were saved. Truth was told. And people were loved in the name of Christ. Again, we could, we could have been done earlier. We could be done now. I'm plowing ahead. Remember his purpose for his glory for our benefit. The gospel good news of Christ for his revelation and saving grace and for our sanctification through teaching, through reproof, through correction, through training in righteousness that we may be complete equipped for every good work. Timothy's work was building up the church. He was helped by the tools Paul gave him, through, the Lord gave him through Paul, really, and he encouraged him to use those tools. I encourage you, it, it won't take more than a half an hour. Read First Timothy, read Titus, and read Second Timothy, and be encouraged. Listen to Paul just lovingly, lovingly pour himself out to these two men. It's it's wonderful. It is amen encouraging. It is he is risen. He is risen indeed encouraging. So when we leave here today, on every Sunday, on any Sunday, and we go to our homes, we go to our neighborhoods, our schools, our streets, our jobs, what are we carrying in our toolboxes? And what good work are we going to go do? Go diligently and prayerfully to Scripture and be filled. Be encouraged. And then go love people. Love the Lord with all our hearts, souls, mind, and strength. And then go love people with our actions, our deeds, our attitudes, and in our words. We just go point to Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, help us to feed and even to feast on your word. Help us to lovingly reach out. Thank you, Lord, for your constant guidance and encouragement and for the truth of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tom, for that encouragement. Let's stand, and we are going to revisit our new uh, song today, the Reformation Hymn.
like to ask that you focus on the words. I know it's a new song, and we're distracted by the song itself. But really focus on the message of the word. It is the uh, centrality of the word of God in our life. That's what empowers us. God's word alone, where his perfect will is known, our traditions shift like sand, while his truth forever stands. We will live by faith alone, clothed in merit, not our own. All we claim is Jesus Christ and his finished sacrifice. Glory be, glory be to God alone. Through the church he redeemed and made his own. He has freed us, he will keep us, Till we're safely home. Glory be, glory be to God alone. We will save by grace alone, undeserved yet freely shown. No accomplishment on earth. Can achieve the second birth. We will stand on Christ alone, thy unyielding cornerstone. Nations rage and devils roar, still he reigns forevermore. Glory be, glory be to God alone. Through the church he redeemed and made his own. He has freed us, he will keep us till we're safely home. Glory be, glory be to God alone. Amen. You are dismissed and walk in the power of the word of God.